This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined online, or not online, but on the phone line by the one and only Chuck Carlton. Hi, Chuck. How are you? Hey, uh, thanks for having me, Kevin. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Chuck, you're following those uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders that have made the Sweet 16. I don't think any of us are surprised by that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had them all the way to the Final Four. Uh, that was uh, that was my team from the Big 12 I thought had the best chance, and uh, it looks like they are making the most of that so far. And last team standing out of the Big 12. Yes. I mean, uh, you, you look at it, I mean, I think we, you know, the Kansas team that you know, we saw in March was nowhere near the Kansas team of November. Uh, you know, four freshmen starting a team that really struggled away from, uh, you know, you know, Fog Allen Fieldhouse just wasn't your typical Bill Self team. And K-State, which I think had the potential for a long run, but when Dean Wade went down with the injury, that just wasn't going to happen for him. Iowa State too inconsistent. I think you can make the case that Texas Tech – was the best Big 12 team during the regular season, certainly at the end with that nine-game winning streak, and, and definitely built for a long run in the NCAA with their defensive emphasis, a very physical team, more physical than what, what you think even watching them on TV, being courtside in Tulsa for a couple of their games. And and now uh, the the only trouble for Texas Tech is that this is totally a chalk region out in the west you know the top four seats are out there you know right. it's uh mano a mano this is you know high level wwe going on out there when you have gonzaga when you have michigan you know and you have a florida state team that may be the best florida state team since ron sky king and those guys faced off against bill walton in the ncaa championship game so and the team that went through the acc with virginia and carolina and Duke. So, yeah, this this is uh, going to be heavyweight basketball, and that game against you know Michigan is just going to be. If you love defensive basketball, if you love X's and O's, this this is the game for you. Yeah, I, I really just feel like this Texas Tech team. This is the kind of team you want to go into. If you don't have huge stars, uh, and and maybe even if you have huge stars, I mean, who has more stars than Duke? You know, three guys who might be the top six picks in the draft. Uh, but if you got if you got to make up a team, to me, this is what you want to have. You want to have a really good defensive team and a really tough team, and, and you know, and an athletic team like like Tech is. I just I just feel like this is the kind of team. You know, anything can happen in the tournament, but it has the it has the chance all along to me of going further than everybody else in the in the Big Twelve. Well, no, I I think without a doubt, I, again that Michigan matchup is really going to be salty that. 
number one and number two ranked uh, just defensive teams in the country. Uh, uh, and, and both Beeline and Beard will game plan the heck, uh, you know, in the four or five days of preparation that they have. Uh, at the same time, you look at the way Tech is built, you know, people have been talking about Jarrett Culver as maybe the best player out of Lubbock in a real long time. He has not disappointed, but he was, you know, a, a nice role player last year when you had Keenan Nevins, when you had Zaire Smith. When Zach Smith came back late in the season from an injury in the playoffs, he was probably no better than the fourth option on that team, but that was a heck of a nice fourth option. And now he stepped up as the Big 12 Player of the Year, a, you know, really hard matchup. at 6'6", lanky, can, can take the ball to the hoop, but you also have to respect the three-point shot. And then, uh, you know, you've got big guys inside who, you know, who are credible threats. Uh, Tariq Owens, I think, is really underrated not only as a shot blocker, but also as a guy who can face up and hit. And, and the amazing thing is that Tech kind of cruised in Tulsa without getting great shooting games from Matt Mooney, who's capable of going off the grad transfer from South Dakota. And also, uh, David, uh, yeah, Davide Moretti, who was one of the hottest shooters in the Big 12 in February, really kind of struggled with the shot down the stretch. If he, if he's on out in Anaheim, then Tech is a lot harder team to defend. Remember, this was a team that as much good as the defense is when it was on a roll in February. This was routinely knocking down nine, 10, 11 three pointers a game. And that becomes a really, really hard matchup. So do you have Tech making it to the Final Four? I, I mean, to, to me, I like the winner of the Tech-Michigan game. And, and that's saying Gonzaga's got a lot of talent. Man, they have a lot of talent. A lot of big guys who can run the court and, and do some special things. But And they beat Duke at full strength back in November. Right. But I, I just wonder... If playing two months in the West Coast Conference, that really is the same preparation as playing in the Big 12 or the Big 10, to be or the ACC for that matter, with Florida State. So I, and, and I think, to me, Tech Michigan is a coin flip game. It's going to be one of those grinding games. It's going to come down to the final 90 seconds, the final minute, and whoever can make a play or have a couple defensive stats that's what it's going to be in this sort of situation yeah I, I agree with you about the the preparation and going into the tournament of, of how what you've had to play up to that point and how you get there uh i think that does make a difference i think if you're if you're used to it and, and on this stage and in this spotlight even though gonzaga has a obviously a long history of doing well in the, in the tournament um it, you know the program has that the players don't have that and so it'll be interesting to me to see how they react to that if they step up and play because you're right they they've got some big time players as well a couple of players are in the top 10 uh, in the country at least that's how I voted them in the in the wooden award voting so uh I I think that this will be a a, a terrific uh series here as we see as it, as it develops and they get past Michigan and they should play Gonzaga and if they can make it on into the uh, to the final four, I, as I said, I'm I'm going to stick with them just because I like how they're made up. I like I like the coach Chris Beard. I like what he's doing there. So uh, so let's take it outside of that just a little bit now. Uh, I, I want to ask you two things about because you brought up Jarrett Culver uh, and he has been talked about now as as a very high lottery pick. 
And uh, the Mavericks are certainly doing their very best to keep that pick and keep it from going uh, to the Atlanta Hawks. It's a top five protected pick. After the ping pong balls bounce, uh, they they could end up in, the, in that top five. What would you think about them drafting Jarrett Culver if they couldn't have uh, uh, Zion Williamson or, or Jay Morant? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, along with Jay Morant, I think Jarrett Culver has done himself – uh, a, a whole lot of good and made himself a whole lot of cash in the NCAA tournament, uh, especially the Northern Kentucky game. Uh, but Buffalo, even though it was kind of an ugly game, it wasn't a great shooting game for him. I think it showed the other side of him, the defensive game. Uh, it depends on what you want, but he's that very long swingman type with better than average offense. And he's a guy that you can plug in. He doesn't have to have the ball to dominate. You know, they run the motion offense at Tech. Um, he can contribute in a lot of different ways, as he showed as a freshman. He's a guy who really fills out the stat sheet. It's not uncommon for him, like in the um, in the game against Northern Kentucky, yeah, 29 points, but also eight rebounds, seven assists, almost triple-double there. Northern Kentucky coach said that they really wanted to make him a passer because they thought that was the weakest part of his game, and he had seven assists. Um uh, yeah, you know, and and he's still rapidly developing. He's still a guy who's far from a a complete package here. Um, he he's the son of the Texas Tech team chaplain. He seems to have his head screwed on right. Um, you know, isn't going to try and necessarily steal the spotlight. But um, yeah, I I think he's an interesting pick for the Mavericks if they're sitting there, you know, four or five something like that. At the same time, if they do fall into that slot, uh, they're going to have an awful lot of good options to see, you know, with the team that they're trying to build right now. Yeah. Depends on what they do. If they, if they decide to, to spend a lot of that money on the magic center, uh, Nikola uh, Vucevic, uh, which, you know, we've, we've heard conflicting reports about whether they would really want to bring in a guy who's a little bit of a, he, he's pretty athletic. He's not a plotter, but he's a big guy. He's not, he's not super athletic. Uh, and myself, I, I think at some point, you know, for every, everybody wants to have these athletic centers until you have to bang with somebody. Uh, and then, then they go, well, we just don't have anybody who can body up with those kind of guys. Uh, I think if you did something like that and then had, had a, a Culver who could also add a little defense on the perimeter, uh, kind of a glue guy. I think that that I think that's that's to me the kind of role I see him having as being that a, a little more than just a, a standard three and D guy, a guy who can do as you said a little bit of everything and content to play that role, not somebody who feels like they have to to dominate the ball. So, and I think that's I think that's key. You know, and he's also played a couple of years. You know, uh, I think that's another key. I, I always like that. You you can just tell. The guys who have had uh, multiple years in college, as opposed to the guys who are one and done, there just always seems to be a. Uh, unless you're just an unbelievable talent, there just always seems to be some kind of uh, break-in period here that that uh, takes them a little while to get going. And I'll throw out another intriguing name for the Mavericks, um, if you want. And this is in in the second round. The Mavericks still have a second round pick. I'm. I'm yes, they do. You know, so somebody who's projected as like middle. Uh, part of the second round, but who would easily have been a first-round pick had he stayed healthy, is Azubuki from uh, from Kansas, yes. seven-foot shot-blocking center. And it's not one of those things. I mean, it was it was a wrist injury. It wasn't a knee. It's not anything that's going to affect him. I mean, he was a guy who was really looking like definitely being in the lottery. 
Now, while mock drafts have him in the second round, if if the Mavericks early in the second round can pick him up, even if it's going to take him a little while to get going, I think that's a great value pick for them. That's you know, if you're looking for that grim defender inside that that traditional low post center that you don't see too much in the NBA and a guy who's going to be very cap friendly as a rookie coming in. Yeah, I, I like him a heck of a lot if he comes out. See, Chuck, that's such a great thing here. We had you on to talk about Texas Tech and you're giving us value picks for the Mavericks in the second round. This is quality programming right here. This is what <laughs> this is what our, our, our listeners are getting. And, you know, they made an awfully good uh, second round pick this last year with Jalen Brunson. I, I loved that pick when they made it. You know, I just, uh, you know, loved what he was like in college and he has been exactly that in the NBA. I think he's going to be a good player for a long time for the Mavericks. Oh, man, and, and that, that Villanova team, in fact, I don't want to go off on my Texas Tech tangent, but with the way Tech is playing right now, kind of grinding teams down, I'm not saying that they're going to win a national championship, but they do remind me of that Villanova team last year where, you know, basically took everybody out by double figures. Nobody got close to that team last year, and they had contributions up and down the line off the bench. That, that's what this Tech team reminds me of when they're playing their best right now. Absolutely. I think that's a great analogy. I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. In, in the tournament last year, you just as the games developed, you just thought, who, who can beat these guys? They're, they're, just, they're just so well coached. They, they execute so well. They're, they're, uh, and they, as you said, they get contributions from everybody. That was just uh, clearly the class of the field. So let's uh, so let's move over now. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Chris Beard. You know, you uh, I think that uh, we we all agreed that Shaka Smart was not going to get fired, even though uh, like uh, seventeen people showed up for their NIT game uh, the other day. Uh, that was a that was a pitiful picture. Oh, exactly. And, and, and yes, you can you know say it was spring break at Texas and all this sort of thing. But still, just the season ticket holder base should have been enough. But when you're a 16 and 16 team, and at the time, Shock is a 500 coach for four years, and there was just there's been no buzz about this team. It's it's almost it's 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 not necessarily where people are disgruntled. It's more apathy, which is maybe worse from that standpoint. At the same time, they've won a couple NIT games now. They've got a you know a fairly young team out of side of Ostrakowski and. Uh, Kerwin Roach, who's back from his uh, his five game suspension, but you know you're, you're seeing a you know some flashes of what this team could be next year. But yeah, Shock is going to be back. He's got the seven footer from Austin Westlake coming in, but it still doesn't look like this is anywhere close to what Texas had envisioned when they lured him out of VCU, you know, four years ago. Let me ask you this about that. Of course, the, the the kind of teams that Shaka Smart had at VCU were more along the lines of the old Nolan Richardson teams at, at Arkansas. You know, forty minutes of hell, uh, and and there, and the feeling was that well, at Texas, where you're going to, it's a little bit like if I'm going to compare it, it's a little bit like when Billy Gillespie went to Kentucky, uh, and the things that he was asking his players to do at, at his previous stops. They just weren't going to do that kind of thing at Kentucky. These were these were blue bloods who came in there, big time recruits. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play that kind of defense. I'm not gonna do the things that you you're asking your your guys to do. Uh, and that there's a feeling like you couldn't get that kind of thing done at Texas. Do you buy into that? At least that's what he was told. I, I think 
he's changed his approach to running the offense. I think he was told he needed to have those, you know, top 20, top 15 recruiting classes. And to get those kids, they weren't going to play havoc. Now, you know, like you said, Nolan Richardson team, even up until this year, Bob Huggins had a lot of success, you know, at West Virginia and previously playing that pressure defense and getting the under the radar kids, but it's a harder style to play. That's not what, so, so it's almost like hiring a spread coach in football and then telling them you can't run the spread here. Yeah. It, 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 it's that sort of situation. You've got to go to a pro style and although the pro style now is actually kind of a spread when you think about it, yeah. but, um, but no, I think it's not the, the, the shock that they saw at VCU is not the shock at Texas. Uh, and and he still hasn't figured that out from this, you know, the standpoint of how to make you know at times Texas can just look bad in the half court offense, you know, just kind of brutal from that standpoint. Um, you know, actually, it's you know late in games when Texas is down, they go to the press. That's when Texas looks more effective. Uh, but yeah, it was used against them. Um, Shock admitted at Big Twelve Media Day that when he was recruiting Mo Bamba, Kentucky was saying you don't want to go to Texas. You know, they've got that. You know, pressure system, havoc. You know, you that's not going to prepare you for the next level. You don't want to play that. And they actually had to sit down with Obama and said, no, no, no. The you know, here, here are all the tempo stats. Here are all the stats on how often we press. We're not that same team anymore. So yeah, they got Obama, but they didn't. You know, it was a case of of getting Obama, but still not getting out of the first round of the play of the NCAA tournament last year. Yeah, and and I I just don't know that's just not the way to go to me. If you're if you're gonna if you're gonna bring this guy in and he's gonna be your coach, then you need to let him do what he does and uh and or or don't hire him. It's just as simple as that. Uh, you you've made the you made the wrong hire if, if that's what you're gonna make him do. I guess the only way to remedy this thing to me, if Shaka is gonna have a hard time uh, figuring out how to coach uh, this style. Do you do you bring in an offensive coordinator? Do you, do you let him have somebody come in who who, who can do that kind of thing and uh, and let him be more of a, a CEO kind of coach? You know, I'm wondering about that. You know, being that recruiter and CEO guy and the face of the front, and and to be honest, Texas likes a lot of the things that Shaka does and what he represents from that. And um, I think another reason why Shaka is not going anywhere is now's a hard time to be in the uh, the coaching hire market because you don't know who's going to show up on a federal wiretap and, you know, <laughs> yeah, four weeks after point. you make the hire. You know, it's, it's a little dicey out there. You know, to have that press conference and then, you know, having to backtrack, uh, you know, you know, a couple weeks later um, from that standpoint. Now, there have been theories tossed out. I don't exactly buy into it because Shock is making too much money. I don't think he's going to leave that money on the table, but there have been theories that, if the right job opens up, that Shaka may go someplace, and you've got, for example, Alabama and Vanderbilt open in in the SEC right now. Um, there have been rumors about Wake Forest, even though Danny Manning is owed, owed something like eighteen million dollars on a buyout. Wow. Um, eighteen million at Wake Forest? At Wake Forest? Oh yeah. my gosh! How does that happen? Uh, yeah. Uh, he made the NCAA tournament one year, um, so <laughs> so you have these scenarios that maybe he leaves and that opens things up, and Texas can make a run at Chris Beard and all this kind of stuff. I just don't, you know, unless there's a 
somebody like Alabama is really enamored of Shaka. And right now, Shaka's a hard sell. If you're bringing in men to a place like Alabama and saying, okay, we got rid of Avery Johnson, but we're bringing in a guy who had a worse record at Texas <laughs> right. than Avery Johnson did at yeah. Alabama. Uh, I don't know how that's going to play. Uh, I don't see that happening at all. And here's here's my issue, because we're going to get around to this, and you brought it up, uh, is, is Chris Beard to Texas. I know that there's probably a lot of Texas fans who see what, what Chris has done in, in, in Lubbock, and he's just done a fabulous job, and, you know, and, he, and he's, and he's going to continue to do a great job. He works hard. He's, just, he's a gym rat, a coach, and, and, and it's a terrific story. But to me, it's the same issue. Look what he coaches and how he coaches. And you want him to bring that to Texas? Shaka Smart uh, had a havoc style. He had he asked these guys to do a lot of things. You know, uh, and that's what Chris Beard does. We just talked about Jared Culver and, and what kind of player he is, and 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 asked to do a lot of things and, and does them. Uh, is that style going to work at Texas with the kind of recruits that they would be getting at Texas? I mean, you know, Jared Culver is going to be a lottery pick, but he made himself. Chris made him into they together. They made him into a lottery pick. He was not that, as you pointed out. He was just kind of the the fourth option, you know, before this season. So, so you know, to me, uh, you know, first of all, I'm not even sure that Chris Beard would want to go to Texas if he was going to leave Texas Tech at this point and what he's doing. And he gets to the Final Four, uh, he, he's going to have a, a shot at a lot of jobs if he wanted to leave Texas Tech. Why would he go to Texas? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it, I mean, he is an alum. He was like a student coach under Tom Penders there. Uh, there's always been that feeling that um, he might want to go back there. I know there's that concern among people at Texas Tech that that might be the one job that interests her spirit. He still has um, uh, his oldest daughter is now a freshman at Columbia, but he has a high school daughter and a middle school age daughter now in Abilene. And the feeling is he doesn't want to get too far away from them. That's why Lubbock is a good fit, but Austin isn't that far either. Um, but, again, it's like you said, you know, he's already proven he can win the Big 12 at Texas Tech. Yeah. Uh, and, and the pressure at Texas Tech, even if they, let's say, Tech takes a half step back next year, it's not the end of the world there. You know, they'll, they'll be looking at him going, you know, Elite Eight, whatever they do this year, at least Week 16, he's already take you know he's already kind of a budding legend at tech you know at, at texas it's like hey what have you done for us lately you know rick barnes getting to 16 ncaa's in 17 years wasn't enough right in texas uh and and, and plus well, he builds the team not only Jarrett culver you know Zion smith became a first round nba pick and he was like a six five post player yeah. you know out of garland um and, and, and one of those under-the-radar guys. You know, uh, I mean, Chris Beard has improved the recruiting. He's getting some four-star talent now. But still, it's not, you know, can't-miss, big-time, one-and-done recruiting classes. He's doing it by bringing in guys like, you know, Matt Mooney and Tariq Evans as grad transfers, who um, are really nice, complimentary players and mature guys, guys who are essentially pros on that team. But again, at Texas, it's going to be wait. Uh, how, how come you're bringing in some guy from uh, you know an under 500 team at St. John's or some guy from South Dakota? Why? What? What? How come you you aren't just filling it up with blue chips? Right. You know, right. That's what he does, and it's also going to be interesting going out to Anaheim. Hey, UCLA job is still open. They're still looking there. Now, I don't see Chris Beard in that 
fondness for Waterburger at two thirty in the morning. <laughs> you know that kind of folksy, folksy way he has about him. I don't know if that's going to play out there in Westwood, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is. You know, uh, and how much speculation there is in the, you know, in the Southern California media about the UCLA job with Beard out there. I'm sure a lot of people are going to look at what he's done and, and just say, oh, the, the knee-jerk reaction is going to be, why wouldn't you hire this guy? I don't care what he's like. Look what he's done. Look how he's turned around that program. And as you said, look at the players he's building and, and all of that. Then the question always comes after that, well, what kind of fit would he be? And and I and I think that uh, just for the reasons you said, as you, as you, you know, he's already proven he can win the Big 12 in Lubbock. And, um, I, you know, he, he is a Texas guy, uh, but, you know, in a lot of ways he feels more like uh, a tech guy to me. He feels more like a guy more comfortable in that environment, more comfortable in, in building something. You know, if I'm a coach in college basketball these days, I don't know how they do it. I don't, I don't know how a big-time coach does it where uh, what uh, you know, Mike Krzyzewski is doing right now where he's going to lose three guys in the, in the top six of the picks of the draft. You're, you're not coaching people anymore. You're just kind of – it's like a, a bus station, and players are coming through, and I'm trying to, you know, to do what I can with them while they're here, but uh, there's no building. There's no uh, coaching a guy up. There's no improving a guy. You're just, you're just kind of assimilating things on the fly. Oh, I yeah, I agree, and that that's the situation now. Now, one interesting thing that Chris Beard said, and and I actually not only noted this but used this as like my closing, you know, sentences out Big Twelve Media Days writing about Tech when they were picked seventh in the Big Twelve, which should tell you something about you know the coaches in the Big Twelve and their abilities to predict. But <laughs> you know, Chris Beard was saying that you know, in kind of that self-deprecating way in a very small group of reporters, that, hey, he's not the smartest guy in that room there. He, he's not the best X's and O's guys. You know, but the one thing that he felt he did as well as anybody in the Big 12 is being that guy because of his background, coaching you know, semi-pro and junior college, Division two, and all the different strange stops he's made you know, of, of assembling a team in one year on the fly. Because that's what he essentially did with the with the grad transfers, with the holdovers from last year, with the junior college transfer. That's what he had to do is kind of remake the roster at Tech. And this isn't conventional one and done. And and that's what he's done. And he's done it very well. And he, and he's adjusted. But then the question is, is that sustainable? What about the program building aspect? I mean, with all due respect to his spirit, he's, he's seldom been as a head coach uh, you know, this will be the longest stint that he's had. Yeah, being true. one one place. You know, going into his if he goes into his fourth year at Tech, but he's been awfully successful too. So, but it's going to be what about having that assembly line? What about rolling things out? But yeah, you're right. He does feel like a guy who's who's built for Tech. And, and the other thing, and his players acknowledge it too, is that he does. He, he, he's a coach who will coach people up, but he, he you know, he'll bruise some egos in yeah, practice. Right. He, you know, that's, that's part of it. He was an assistant under Bob Knight. And I think he's, he learned from Bob Knight, maybe 
what not to do as well as what to do from that standpoint. You know, I don't think he crosses a lot. But then again, if you're going to ride guys in practice now, maybe those, you know, one and does those top guys don't like that. I mean, a guy like Jared Culver, yeah, he's buying in. Grad transfers, they're buying in. But a different situation there, is this going to turn into the same thing? You know, guys at A&M bought in under Billy Gillespie. At Kentucky, not so much. No, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely right. That, and that's what I, and that's what I'm saying about it. And, and of course, the coach has to know this too. You know, uh, I think a lot of times the school is, is really willing to make that hire because they see the success the guy has had, uh, as in the case when Kentucky hired Billy Gillespie, and not seeing that this is not a good fit. Uh, and and I I I, I want to go way back with you now, Chuck because this is back to my days when I was covering college basketball in the 80s, and, and Jim Killingsworth was at, uh, at TCU. And the, and the book on Killer was that uh, he had been a junior college coach, and he liked junior college players, and, but he liked a certain kind of junior college player. And, and he, so all these old JUCO coaches knew him, knew him well, and they knew what kind of guy he liked, and they funneled those kind of guys to him. And these were not splashy players. They were mostly role players, glue guys, that type of thing, who could play the style that was going to be most effective under him. And to me, that's the kind of thing that I see with, with Chris Beard. He sees the kind of guys. He understands that this kind of guy is going to work for me. This, this guy is going to fit my system. A little bit like what Greg Popovich was able to do, although it's not doing it so well anymore now that he doesn't have some of the stars that he had uh, for so many years. But at, at, at any rate, they, they constantly uh, would, would bring in guys who fit their system. But maybe the only team in the NBA that had a, seemed to have a system. Uh, these are, these are, are San Antonio kind of players. And to me, I think that's what I see with Chris Beard is that he gets players, he sees things in players that maybe other – coaches and other programs don't see and he gets he's able to get the most out of those guys oh yeah definitely and he's one of those guys that um you know you mentioned the junior college guys having um a pipeline to killingsworth when he was at uh tcu i i think beard is one of those guys who like the the rank and file uh you know high school coaches not only in west texas but he remember he grew up in irving and yeah. He's big in the Dallas area, finding a guy like Zaire Smith and other guys out of there, and and it'll be like, hey, maybe this guy isn't getting a ton of attention, but we think he can play in the Big 12. Give Chris Beard a call, and, you know, and a guy, you know, can look at a guy and project what he can be at the next level as opposed to what he is. So, yeah, he, he's definitely got that ability about him, um, but is the grass always greener for Chris Beard? Uh, they gave him a six-year contract extension last year, um, that uh, takes him up to, I believe, 23, 24. Um, you know, he's making pretty good coin, especially for the Lubbock market out there. Uh, he's making 2.8 this year, and it escalates, goes up to 3.3 on the contract. Um, I think if any attention comes, Kirby Hokut's more than willing to bump that up. Um, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting if somebody comes knocking seriously at Chris Beard see what his thought process is. Chris might make that into a basketball school out there. What do you think? You know, they like their basketball out in West Texas. Yes, they, they do. They have, kind of the, they have the heritage out there. I mean, that being said, they seem, at least the administration seems happy with Matt Wells. He showed up in Tulsa, which was probably uh, something bright on his part to see and be seen out there. But, uh, yeah, right now, this is 
place where they're packing fans into uh, United Supermarkets Arena out there. Uh, they they really like this team a whole lot. They they jumped on the bandwagon. I mean, they took over the box center in uh, in Tulsa just like they took over American Airlines Center for the NCAA tournament. So uh, as I and like I said, the the pressure at some place like Tech, as much as they want to win, is not nearly the same at Texas or UCLA. No, it's not. My prediction is that he stays at Texas Tech. I don't know if he stays through the length of that contract, but my my prediction is he stays there. I I, I would like to see him stay there myself. I just think that that's a, it's a it's a good fit. It's a happy fit. I mean, until something that goes wrong here, uh, it's something we find out that we don't already know. I just think that that's that's good for the the state of Texas in basketball. It's good for him. Uh, it's good for Texas Tech. Uh, I'm I'm just glad to see it. Oh yeah, and it's good to finally see somebody else besides Kansas win the Big Twelve. You <laughs> yes, <know>. it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chuck. Listen, we appreciate you coming on today. It's been fun talking about uh, Texas Tech's uh, shot here in the NCAA's. Uh, I, I, as we said, I, I'm, I'm going to. I'm got them going to the Final Four. I'm going to. I'm going to pause before I go any further than that. I want to see who else makes it before I see what the, their, their chances are about taking any further than, than that. But that would be pretty good stuff. Uh, oh, uh, a bit of breaking news for you okay. on this. Uh, unconfirmed right now, but a report out there saying Scott Cross, longtime coach at UT Arlington, before being fired, spent the last year at TCU, will be the uh, next head coach at Troy. Is that right? What's yeah, that connection uh, with Troy? Uh, just uh, outside of the fact that it was another Sun Belt school. Wow. So, uh, and barely they liked uh, what uh, Scott Cross did at UTA, even if UTA didn't like what he did. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, that that, that big-time presence that UTA won, the new athletic director, director wanted, it hasn't really panned out like he thought it would, I, I don't guess. Well, uh, now, to be fair to Chris Ogden, I mean, they did get to the conference finals. Uh, again this year, but did make the NCAA tournament. Uh, I, I think I think Chris Ogden has a chance to long term be a good coach, but long term Scott Cross was a pretty good coach there too. Yes, he was. So, yeah, I think uh, that was the whole point. Uh, I didn't have anything against Chris Ogden either. The, the, the whole point was this has been a pretty good program under Scott Cross. And uh, right, it, and 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 this is a nice you know take that assistant job at TCU for one year, and and then Troy is not a bad job you know out there. And not a bad area to recruit necessarily. So good luck to Scott Cross if this bears out. Absolutely. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks for coming on. We'll check you next time. Hey, take care. Talk to you later. All right. There goes Chuck Carlton, a man of many seasons. Chuck covers college football, college basketball. It just never ends. I don't I don't think that Chuck does much college baseball. I'm I'm trying to to think back on that. Uh, I don't guess so. He doesn't need to. You know, uh, for all of you out there who, who would like to know a little bit about Chuck Carlton, he, he played, a little, uh, played a little basketball himself. And then when he was in college, I believe at Western Illinois, uh, he was among a group of guys who would regularly scrimmage the women's basketball team there because that's what the women's basketball coach wanted, uh, which, is, which is a pretty cool little uh, trivial fact there. Trivia fact. I sound like Evan. I can't say I can say Shinsu Chu though, unlike Evan Grant. So we've had uh, a couple of podcasts today. We've had uh, Evan Grant in to talk about the Rangers, who will open on Thursday at three o'clock against the Cubs. And we have talked about Texas Tech's chances here in the NCAA tournament. I'm picking them to go all the way to the Final Four. We'll see what they do after that. After this uh, bracket shakes out a little more, Chuck Carlton on to talk about that. 
and a little bit about uh, Chris Beard's future as well, the, the fine hit coach at Texas Tech. So for everybody in here and everybody out there, thanks, and we'll check you next time. Thanks for listening to this Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.